Welcome to Before the Business, a podcast dedicated to telling the origin stories of entrepreneurs. My name is Craig Swiston. Andrea Scott is an award-winning playwright and producer who has been writing since 2011. Controlled Damage, her first main stage production, was first performed at Halifax's Neptune Theatre in 2020. It explores the life of Canadian civil rights icon Viola Desmond and how her act of bravery in a Nova Scotia movie theatre started a ripple effect that is still felt today. Andrea's theatrical examination of Desmond and her legacy is now being brought to audiences at the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario, beginning January 2023. Please join me in welcoming playwright Andrea Scott. Hi, Andrea. I introduced you as a playwright, but how do you see yourself? How do you introduce yourself? Up until 2018, I would say I was a playwright. And up until you know, 2013, I was an actor. I'm, I'm a screenwriter and I'm a playwright. It takes several years to get something that you wrote on a piece of paper to the stage. So there can be many years between people hearing your name as a playwright. Um, I have been able to kind of parlay what I do in a, into an, in an entrepreneurial way which I don't actually think is is normal and common amongst most writers. Most writers know how to be writers and that's all they do. I've always approached my work as a business. Um, when I was writing plays, I tried to sell them as a product to theaters and to understand that I would be giving them the best product that they would ever have that would really help bring people into their theaters. The way that I would do that is I'd make sure, first of all, that the primary source, my play, was good. And then I would make sure that I had the best team. So I would hire the best actors, some of the best crew. Um, and then I would be responsible for the marketing and advertising and the fundraising in order to have a good production and make sure that everybody got paid. When did you make that realization that if you were going to be successful, that you had to take a lot of this on your own shoulders? 2012, I got to play into a, a big festival here. And I was so happy to get that play into the festival. I, I took the advice that everybody was giving me, which was you need to hire this producer and you need to hire this marketing team. And what I found is a lot of things got away from me and people really did not understand what my vision was. And they also didn't ask me. They also shut me out of decision-making that I felt it was important that I was in the room for. And after, like the play ended up doing well, but it could have done better. And I knew how it could have done better. And that's if I had been involved. I thought it's my work. Other people should not be gatekeeping my work from me. So I will learn what I need to do in order to be in control of this entire production, which may make me sound a bit like a control freak, but you can't always be sure that you're going to be hiring people who are going to have your better interests at heart. They'll want to be a part of your project because they feel that it's going to be a way that elevates them and advances their career, but they're not all that concerned with you. So in 2013, when my play got into another festival, I decided I would produce it. How did you go from actor, writer, and then ultimately to being a producer? Where did you learn these skills? I would have liked if I could have found a black woman who worked in the same industry, who worked in entertainment, that I could have taken out for a coffee and said, how do I do this? But there just wasn't anybody that I could find. So self-taught. I don't even know how to ask the question. How much of your black identity goes into your work as an entrepreneur and as a playwright? I'm a very persuasive salesperson. Um, one of the things that happened with my first and second play was that I was able to get a lot of sponsors and I never really even thought about race. I just went up to different companies and said, I feel like your, your, your product would be really a good reflection of my play. I'm new at this. I have raised this much money. This is the play. Here's the script. If you would like to read it, here's where it's going to be um, produced. Let me know if you'd be interested. And I got a lot of support 
I think that a lot of people in the theater industry were looking at me and saying, oh, we didn't even know we could do that. And that's something I learned as a child is that sometimes if you just ask for something, people will give it to you. I think you know you may know that I was on the cover of Now magazine many years ago. I was on the cover of Now 2016. And I got that because I asked for it repeatedly. I kept writing letters to the editor saying, you should put me on the cover. Here's why you should put me on the cover. Here's the staff that I'm going to have for my play. Here, Look at this great powerhouse of people. I've been in the industry for a long time. I'm a black woman. You need to put more black women on the cover of, of your magazine. Um, and then one day I got the email saying, we'd like to put you on the cover. And I was like, finally. Wasn't that a great idea they had? Yes, I know. Exactly. They're like, we would like to put you on the cover. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Let's go back to when you were acting. When did you realize that for you as a creative professional, you felt more fulfilled by writing the words that you were going to perform or writing the words that others would perform? When did that penny drop for you? Well, this would be, this would be a black identity thing is that I, I got sent out for just one too many roles where I had to be a, a crying mother because her son was shot. And I was like, this is garbage. This is garbage. I can write better than this. And also I found that there were a lot of roles where the black female character was just there to support the white male protagonist or the white female protagonist in their story. And the black woman had absolutely no arc whatsoever. She was just there to advance the story of the white protagonist. And I said, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in being a secondary character where I don't have a full story. So I can write better than this. I'm going to I'm going to try my hand at it. No, I mean, I've been writing, I've been reading plays since I was 16 and been acting in plays since I was 16. I have a degree, master's degree in theater. And so I felt I, I, could, I could do it. And then somebody kind of inspired me and I wrote a play based on their life. And it got me a grant. It got me a, a writer's grant from the Ontario Arts Council, which encouraged me. And so when I got that opportunity, I thought, I think I have a few more ideas. And I kept writing and I kept getting grants. And then the plays that I was writing and getting grants for, I could get into festivals. And not only could I get them in festivals, but once those festivals were mounted, I was able to get audiences and sell out my shows. And selling out a show is a very big deal in Toronto, where it is difficult to get a house of more than 30 or 40%. And I was getting 75 to 90. And I thought, I'm good at this. I am very good at this. It's hard to get anyone to tell you that you're good at it. So the proof is in the attendance. There's, there's not a lot of people willing to like pat you on the back and be like, you did a good job, Andrea. Instead, you hear crickets. And then you're like, okay, well, I think I'm doing okay because people are showing up. Was there a specific moment when you went from thinking that you were good at this to actually knowing and having the confidence that you were indeed very good at this? Um, I would say it was being asked to be the playwright in residence at the Tarragon Theatre which is the one theater that I loved and respected more than any theater in the country. It's in my neighborhood in the Annex. And when they approached me to say, you know, we've been watching your career and we'd like you to be our playwright in residence. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm good at this. How have you seen the business change in the time that you've been an actor, a writer, a producer? Less money. There's less money. In theater, there's less money. Um, it's really, really hard to get um, a firm commitment. And there's less money up front to help you as you're trying to create your pieces. The money in theater comes from repeated productions. Being able to get more than one theater company to produce your play is what you need to do. And that is really hard in this country. Canada is a very strange place in that it feels like the provinces are so separated in the arts. Something that plays in Vancouver doesn't necessarily 
resonate in Toronto for some reason. And so you're trying to formulate these relationships with artistic directors and theater companies, but you don't live there. They don't know you. It's very, very difficult. I believe that, you know, in order to grow my business, if you will, I need to to continue to nurture and encourage relationships with all of these people in different provinces. It's just very difficult because if they're going to have a meeting with you, they know that the reason you're having a meeting with them is because you ultimately would like to have your show produced there. These people hear my name and know of my work, but they don't know me. And so I've decided to go out of my way to like just send an email and be like, hey, would you be interested in having a Zoom and just chatting? I have a couple of things that are on the back burner that I'm working on, and I would love for you to maybe take a look at them if you're interested. My, I have an agent. I have two agents. I have an agent for my theater, and I have an agent for for film and TV. And it is great having an agent who can like facilitate those conversations, but it really makes more of a difference if you can like have a conversation with the person themselves so they can get to know you, so they can see your face, so they can hear your voice and really make a connection with you and understand why you tell the stories that you do and why you might be a good fit for their season in 2025. So it's fair to say that a lot of what you do as an entrepreneur is, you know, is self-promotion, but it is also building and maintaining relationships with the people that will be important to you, maybe not today, but down the road. Make some noise, take up space. For years and years and years, I would send postcards I was extremely old school. If I was going to be in a play as an actor, I would use money out of my own business account or to my, well, it was my personal account. And I would have these postcards made up with a picture of my face on it. And then like something that would explain that I was going to be in this play at Canadian stage and that you should come see it. And I would make 50 of these postcards and I would send them to every single artistic director and literary manager in the province. And I did this every single time. If I had a workshop, I would send them. If I... If I was going to do like a, a reading, I would send them. People always have known that Andrea Scott exists in some theater capacity. And that isn't something that a lot of people do because they don't want to bother them. You know, my friend who is a very successful playwright has said, I need to advocate for myself more. And then you do it so well. My feeling is if I don't do it, nobody else will do it. I don't have a publicist. I don't have anyone advocating on my behalf. That is that is a, a, a job that I have given myself. Wednesdays are my admin day. Wednesday is the day that I look at all the artistic directors that I should follow up on and just chat with and find a way of contacting and some so that they can remember who I am. Maybe I don't have anything to give them. Maybe I don't have something that I want to flog, but I want them to always remember, hey, I'm around. I'm going to your shows. I support your theater. I sent you a hundred bucks. You know, I love the theater. And oh, and I'm still around. In case you're like, hmm, we should program something by Andrea, or we should program something that has a black focus by a black woman. Oh, what about Andrea Scott? I always want that to be the, the, the first thing on people's mind. What about Andrea? Where did you learn that skill? Oh, uh, <laughs> a long time ago, when I, I live in the annex, and I've lived in the annex for 27 years, there used to be this wonderful bookstore called Book City. There's, there's one on the Danforth now, and I I think there's one on St. Clair. And ironically enough, I was in the store looking for a book on horoscopes, but I didn't find the book I wanted, but I did find something called, it's not how good you are, it's how good you want to be. It just grabbed my attention. And it was written by this marketing guru in England. And it just explained in very stark terms how to set yourself apart from everybody else. And you just have to see that you are special. Don't wait for someone to tell you that you're special. You are special. 
But how are you going to relay that information to other people? You need to set yourself apart. You have to make choices that you could possibly fall down and make a fool of yourself or get people to open an an envelope that they know is from you to look at the postcard because they actually really look forward to seeing that colored postcard that you you always send out. Like I would use a color theme so that as soon as that letter showed up, they would know it was from me because not only do I send out postcards, I don't send them out as postcards. I get very high-end stationery in a very specific color and I always use very specific stamps and I mail them out at a certain time of the year. And people start to get used to that. And they're like, oh, I know who this is from. This is from Andrea Scott. I wonder what she's up to now. So Andrea Scott, what are you up to now? I have a play called Control Damage, which is about Viola Desmond. Um, Viola Desmond was a black woman in the 1940s who was selling her product, hair product. She was on her way to Sydney, Nova Scotia from Halifax and car broke down in New Glasgow. While she was waiting for the car to be fixed, she decided to go to a movie and sat in an area that she wasn't supposed to sit in and was dragged out of the theater and imprisoned and fined for defrauding the province of one penny. And she is now on our $10 bill. And she's considered one of the early civil rights activists, even though she wasn't really. She was an uh, inadvertent activist, if you will. And this happened nine years before Rosa Parks. So that play, which had its world premiere in 2020 in Halifax at the Neptune Theater, will be opening at the Grand Theater on January the 20th, Grand Theatre is in London, Ontario, which is my hometown. I, I managed to sell the idea to the Grand Theatre um, because I was like, listen, it's a really good play. It was written by me. I am from London. The very first play I ever saw was at the Grand Theatre. And it would be a nice full circle moment for you to produce my play. And uh, they liked that. So that's something that has helped them sell the play. Also, the play sold out before it opened in uh, Halifax so that they know it's good. I also write for a television show called Murdoch Mysteries, which is in season 16. I've been working on that show since season 15. And my one of my episodes will be airing on January the 9th on CBC. And it's called Vengeance. This episode's called Vengeance Makes the Man. It's a really great Bracken Reed focused episode. When does Controlled Damage open in London? The show technically opens on January the 17th. There's three days of previews, and it closes on the 29th of January. And tickets for that are available right now on the Grand Theatre website at grandtheatre.com. Well, thank you, Andrea, for your time today, and congratulations on getting Controlled Damage into a theatre here in Ontario. There you go. If you like listening to the origin stories of entrepreneurs, please continue to rate, review, and share the podcast with your family and friends. For more origin stories, check out the full collection at beforethebusiness.com.